We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. It's episode 25 of this 2018 season. My name is Mike Wetland, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and banter from friends and fans of the green and gold. Check us out every day on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever good fine podcasts can be found. Also follow us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast for news and updates about each podcast and from our great contributors as well. Today's topic, we'll be talking more about roster depth later on, but right now some quick news from Saturday. The Packers made a roster move signing running back LaShawn Daniels and placing Akeem Judd on the reserve retired list. We, do not, we have not gotten a reason why this this move happened, why Judd was placed on the list. He had been drawing praise from the coaching staff for his ability to pick up the playbook and his great quickness that he showed in the first two preseason games. But Daniels is more of a power back, 5'11", 222. Former Patriot played at the University of Iowa and was pretty productive for the Hawkeyes as well with a 1,000-yard season during his final year for the Hawkeyes. He also played four games for Washington in the regular season before he went an injured reserve in late December with a hand injury. He'll be wearing number 46 for the team, and yeah, I think he might be looking at taking that Devontae Mays role as we get closer and closer to the regular season. So, LaShawn Daniels, welcome to Green Bay. We wish the very best for you and hope to see, see you on Friday in Oakland as the Packers will take on the Raiders. But right now, we're going to take a look at a, some predictions for the Packers roster. I wrote this for PackersTalk.com. For, it was published on Saturday morning as we've played two of the four preseason games over the course of this training camp season for the Packers. And making a 53-man roster was extremely difficult for me. 
I try to factor in position needs as well as who has been performing at their very best during the course of training camp. But either way, I had to cut a lot of really good players who could make an NFL roster other places. So we're going to have 53 players as well as the 10-man practice squad revealed from yours truly over the course of these next 15 to 20 minutes. And without further ado, I'm just going to jump right in for you guys. We'll start with the quarterback position. I do have three guys making the active 53-man roster. And to no surprise, obviously Aaron Rodgers will be the starter. Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser are guys who are, at this point, pretty much locked into roster spots. They would have to really, really struggle, and Tim Boyle would have to look like Tom Brady circa 2009 to have a shot at getting to the roster because they're not going to keep four. Hundley and Kaiser have both looked very strong in the first two games. They're guys who have a, at least for Kaiser, has a significant amount of upside. Hundley, despite what people say, and he did look bad last year, has looked a lot better over the course of training camp this year. He's looked much stronger, and he seems to be a a more improved and poised player. Hopefully they won't need him this year, but it's good to have also that safety net there who knows McCarthy's system very well and knows exactly what he's going to do. So I do have Boyle making the practice squad, but I can see him also going somewhere else if another team can give him a better offer because with Aaron Rodgers wanting to play till he's 40 and Kaiser in the mix... There might not be a better spot for Boyle than another team. He might be stuck in a logjam in Green Bay with their rotating batch of quarterbacks that they bring in every preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Tim Boyle latch on to another team. But for right now, I do have him going on to the practice squad where he would be a great fit for him to develop his skills and especially his intermediate ball placement. He has been very, very good at the deep ball and he has a lot of feet on his throws and he's a great pocket manager, but he definitely, his uh, short to intermediate throws at times can be a little bit wonky, a little bit off, but you can definitely see a lot of talent with that young man and the practice squad would be the perfect spot for him. Moving on to the backfield, here's where I came through some interesting uh, decisions. Obviously, Aaron Jones is out for the first two weeks of the season, so he will not count for the 53-man rosters, but just counted him being there in week number three. I have three players making the roster in the backfield. I have Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery, who are locked in. Williams will likely be the starter. Montgomery, that Swiss Army knife. And then I have Aaron Repkowski as their third running back slash fullback. It's, it was really tough because we... We'll get to more receivers. We had to keep some receivers. Uh, Cornerbacks had to stay in the edge. You want as much depth as you can be there as well. So that made it tougher on running backs. And I think they can get by for two weeks with only the two as long as Williams and Montgomery can stay healthy. Ripkowski is a decent third option. He can give you some power, give you some short yardage type plays. But Devontae Mays, who I thought about keeping on the 53-man if he had been healthy, he hasn't been. He's been a guy who hasn't seen the field really at much during camp and he hasn't seen any preseason time yet and if he can't get on the field we don't know what he's had he struggled hanging on to the ball in the regular season last year and I think he's a guy who's a good practice squad candidate right now but it's more he's a guy who hasn't gotten a chance to prove himself too much yet and if he can't do that the roster is just so deep this year that there's a good chance he just won't be on that 53-man roster hopefully I'd like to see him on the practice squad but I can also see Green Bay cutting ties with one of their former draft picks, the trio of running backs they took last year. Moving on to the wideouts, I kept seven. Uh, this The typical seven you'd expect, Adams, Cobb, Allison, Kumaro as the fourth guy. Then I had MVS, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Jamon Moore, and Equinemius St. Brown. I really expect him to keep six active per week. I'd expect one of the three rookies to be inactive, maybe on a rotating basis depending on matchups. But Adams, Cobb, and Allison are locked into those top three spots. You know what you're going to get with them. You're going to get a dynamite top 10 receiver in Adams, 
Cobb is one of the best slot guys in the game, and Allison seems to have taken another jump with his route running in his hands this year. He's a safe player, he's a good player, and he's really grown into his own. Kumaro, the breakout story of camp, he's a guy who's been very, very solid, and you can't, you can't say anything night better about the guy. He's done everything you wanted and more. As long as that shoulder is good to go, he's pretty well on his way to securing a roster spot. And the three rookies, and as well, they've had their ups and their downs, but all three are talented enough that it, it's hard to see them getting through if either one of them were to get cut on, on the final cutdown day. Valdez Scantling, the super talented, such a great talent that he can be. That speed, his ability to make guys miss and adjust to the ball are very, very strong. Moore has had his problems with drops in preseason games, no doubt about that. But when you see him get separation and his route running and his physicality, you can definitely see why they took him in the fourth round. He could be a very, very good Devonta Adams, James Jones, and Jones-esque receiver. And St. Brown is a guy who's very, very polished already. He's consistent. He's a very much, uh, could be an upgraded version of Geronimo. Allison in a year's time. He's a guy who's got a lot of talent as well, and his familiarity with Kaiser also helps him a little bit as well. I do think D'Angelo Yancey makes it down to the practice squad. I think there's still enough talent there to be a potential deep threat, another James Jones type guy. He's a big, strong, fast receiver, and there's a reason he's getting some first-team reps when the veterans are not playing. He comes in before the rookies. There's a reason for that. He is still very talented. I also think that these two weeks also mean the final two weeks for Trevor Davis's tenure in Green Bay, unless Ron Zook absolutely throws a fit to try and get him to stay as their kick returner. Davis's injuries haven't helped. He has, he has shown little to nothing as a receiver during his tenure in Green Bay, and while he is a very good returner, despite what people think of the decisions that he makes in punt returns, that can be very head-scratching. He's a guy who has shown the ability to be a game-breaker back there, but he, you need to bring more on the offensive side of the ball as a receiver to jump over these seven guys or any of them. And I just haven't seen that from Davis so far. But he's a guy who is going to be good. Interesting to keep an eye on him on that final cut down day if, if he can get on the field. At tight end, another very tough spot. I wanted to keep Robert Tanyan so badly. He looked great against Pittsburgh as adjusting up the seam, making a great catch on the fade, drawing a, drawing some little contact in the end zone to put the ball first and goal at the one. And he's got all the tools to be a poor man's version of Jimmy Graham, who obviously is going to be locked into this roster. But again, with the depth of this team, I can't see him making. He's one of my. He was one of my final cuts. I think he goes back to the practice squad one more year. I do think Emmanuel Bird uh, says goodbye to Green Bay during his tenure, just because well, there's not enough spots on the practice squad for him. He was one of my last practice squad cuts. And I think Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, and Lance Kendricks will make the make the roster. All three of them have shown different things that help the team. Obviously, Graham is that elite receiving threat. Lewis, very well-rounded, showed great hands and ability to run very good routes during the Pittsburgh game. And Kendricks, kind of he's like the tight end version of Ty Montgomery. He can line up in the backfield as an H-back. He can split out wide. He can line up in line. And he's just going to be steady. He's going to be consistent. I think you'll see a lot of the similar skills you saw when he was in St. Louis yes, St. Louis, not LA, to be a very solid player for the Packers as that third tight end, and definitely an upgrade over what Richard Rodgers brought to the team in recent years. Last, lastly, on the offensive side of the ball, we got the line. I have nine players making it this year. Obviously, the five starters, David Bakhtieri, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Justin McCray, as long as he's healthy at right guard, and Brian Balaga at right tackle. Getting to the reserves, much to, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people's consternation, Jason Spriggs is, I think he's pretty much set into a roster spot. 
he would really, really have to fade down the stretch. And while he hasn't been spectacular by any stretch of the means during his tenure in Green Bay, he is the most natural left tackle to back up Bakhtiari if needed. And he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been awful either during preseason playing against the backups. He's been kind of there. He's been all right. And I think once they stop moving him around, set him, just set him at left tackle, let him be the backup there. Let him focus on that. I think he can get used to his added weight, get used to his footwork back over there, and be a at least a, a not a not a detriment to the team if he can kind of find that role. The other tackle, Kyle Murphy, I think is also pretty much set. I think I think the Byron Bell experiment at tackle has to end. I actually don't have him even making the team, mostly due to his fit with the with the group. His lack of agility, his really feet being weighed down in mud hurt him at guard because he, he's not going to be great for zone blocking. He's mostly at this point just a big body in there, and he's I think he's a worse fit than Lucas Patrick, who I have as my eighth offensive lineman. Patrick, showing versatility, he can be a center in a pitch, pinch, he can play both guards, and he's got that tenacity and that attitude you want in your offensive lineman. And my last offensive lineman is Dylan Day. He has been a revelation as the backup center. He has been consistent, he has been fierce, he has been that showing that mean streak that this line hadn't had in a couple years since TJ Lang left. And he could be another guy who makes an impact on special teams. He can be a guy who can step in if something were to happen to Lindsley. And he can also play some guard at a pinch. So I think Dylan Day, getting him off the waiver wire from Denver last year is proven to be a very shrewd move. One of the last moves that Ted Thompson made as the GM of the Packers. So that's your offense at least from what I can project through two weeks of preseason and four weeks of camp. Moving on to the defensive side going to the defensive line. Five guys make it according to my projections. Um, obviously Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Muhammad Wilkerson, the big three. Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams also locked into spot that's been pretty much foreseen since April. Everyone knows these five are going to be there. Adams especially has been a breakout player in camp. He has at times been absolutely unblockable. Starters or backups, he has, as long as he can start finishing plays, he's got a long future in the NFL. However, James Looney, another close pick. I think he goes to the practice squad. I think he's the only draft pick who gets cut, but he's a guy who keep an eye on him in future years to be a guy who's developing quickly to kind of be another like Dean Lowry type player. To the linebacking core, I see nine guys making it. You got your four starters, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews on the edge, Blake Martinez and Oren Burks in the middle, and those four complement each other so well. You have Matthews and Burks with their speed, Martinez with his uh, intelligence and his football IQ off the charts. He's a tackling machine. And, of course, Nick Perry with his power and his disruptive ability, both in the run game and as a pass rusher. People forget how good of a run stopper Nick Perry is, and you could see his absence against Pittsburgh when James Conner went absolutely wild. On the backups, Reggie Gilbert, obviously, he's going to be the number three guy. He was incredible against Pittsburgh getting to the edge. Doesn't have that elite trait, but he wins with his hand usage, his ability to show nonstop effort and his his just his know-how on how to be a pass rusher. He you can tell he's a natural guy as a defensive end linebacker hybrid type player and he's been the revelation of the defensive linebacking quarter in camp this year. And I know people are gonna get mad at me for this one. Kyler Fackrell, yes he's gonna make the team. He ha he's got a sack and a half, yes, some a lot of them are clean up but the, the half sack he shared with Gilbert, he did make some nice moves getting by the chip and splitting the inside move to step up in the pocket and cover Rudolph when he got there. And if he's used correctly, which to me would be in space, let him be a coverage guy, more of an inside linebacker than outside, 
I think he could be a productive linebacker in the NFL, and at the very least, he's already a key component of the special teams group. He is going to be one of the big pass with the punt block rushers. He's going to be a big time blocker. He's going to play a ton of snaps on special teams, and that enough will keep him a job for at least this year and probably next year as well through his rookie contract. Vince Beagle, who has had a rough camp, I think he still makes it mostly because edge depth is one of the weakest spots of this team, and he's another guy where he's a great hybrid inside-out type player. He's played inside backer in college before. He's played outside, and if you can move him around a little bit, he could get a little more production out of him. I think lining up just on one side and telling him to go rush the passer is not his strength. Let him be that high, that all-around type linebacker where he was successful when he was at Wisconsin. Kendall Donerson on the edge as well, a lottery ticket guy, but his special teams ability could be incredible with his speed, size, and fierce combo, a fierce trio. He is a guy who's got the attitude, he's got the ability to punch the ball out as we saw against Tennessee, and Donerson, I think he's too talented to keep off the 53 man. He may be a game day inactive more often than not, but when you see him on the field, he will, I think he will flash on special teams, especially on kick coverage. I think he's going to be a guy who blows up returners left and right. And lastly, Ahmad Thomas in the middle. He's going to take that Joe Thomas role. He has been quietly great during camp. He has really solidified himself over Greer Martini as that third inside linebacker. He has shown great instincts and speed and be able to cover. And as a former safety, he knows much. he's much like a poor man's Oren Burks. And I think he's going to be a guy who's going to see some more snaps on third downs as the year goes on. Uh, obviously, Jake Ryan's on injured reserve. And it hurts me a little bit to see Chris Odom and Greer Martini get cut. I have both those guys going back to the practice squad if they get through waivers. Martini, who, Martini another high effort guy for Greer Martini, but I think just a numbers game catches up to him a little bit, and Ama Thomas has passed him on the depth chart. I think Martini has a chance, but he's a guy who is he could be either or, whether he makes the team or not. Odom, uh, stuck behind Beagle, Fackrell, Donerson, and Gilbert. Uh, Odom has looked pretty solid. He slimmed down, got much better outside linebacker shape after they got him from Atlanta last year, and I think he's a guy where if he makes it, I won't be surprised, and I'll be, I'll be glad for him. But again, a num- kind of a numbers game as guys ahead of him were have maybe been just a little bit better over the course of the preseason. So those guys just miss my uh, roster projection here. Moving on to the Packers secondary. I do have Tremont Williams, Kevin King, and Jair Alexander as the three starters. Alexander will be the primary slot guy. Bat in the backups, Josh Jackson, Devon House, I think are locks in. And then the other guys are battling for those glass. I have one and a half spots, so two. I'll explain that in just a minute. Lindsey Pipkins, I think, is a lock due to his uh, tackling ability and his, his fearlessness on special teams. I think he's in a good spot. And again, and other people won't agree with this, I have Quentin Rollins making the team. I think he's going to be one of, if not one of the top two punt returners. Uh, he did show some good instincts and ability to read blocks during that t- Pittsburgh game after a very, very rough Tennessee game. I think and I think his versatility, now that he's working at safety and as a hybrid linebacker at times, is going to help him out. I think they're going to give him one final shot to prove himself, and, and if he struggles early on, he can be a guy who's cut midseason, and they can move on for him. But I think they're going to give his versatility one final chance on the active roster to start the season. At safety, HaHa Clinton Dix is locked into the, that free safety spot, and I'm, I, I know a lot of people are worried about him. I saw a lot of Twitter comments, and I've responded to a lot of people about what he's done, and yes, his tackling was poor on that play with James Conner, that touchdown. He went way too low on the power runner and just got stepped on, but I'm, I'm not too worried. I think his teammates respect him a lot. He's He's been seen as a leader by the locker room, 
and he's a guy where I think Mike Pettin does trust him a lot, and I think as long as he's free to kind of roam and make plays, step up a little bit, and not have to be that very last line of defense like he was last year, I think he can return to his all-pro form and, and, and get that big payday that you know he wants to get. At the strong safety spot, it's still a battle between Bryce and Jones. Neither one has stood out during camp, for good reasons anyway. Jones has just been kind of there. Bryce has made plenty of mistakes with his angles and his uh, fear of the helmet rule trying to make that big hit, and he has whiffed quite a few times. But I think both those guys are locked in. At the very least, they'll be good special teams guys. Right now, I have Bryce listed as the starter, but I won't be surprised to see Josh Jones be the strong safety during that Chicago Bears game in the beginning of September. Again, Quentin Rollins, I have him as a safety and a corner, so I think he's going to be there, the versatility. And Marwin Evans, who struggled on the deep pass against Pittsburgh when Josh Hawkins got beat as well. Another guy who I thought got, was one of my, who's actually my very last cut was Josh Hawkins at corner. And he's and he's out of, since he's been for two years he's out of practice squad eligibility so I don't see him coming back to Green Bay unless Quentin Rollins really struggles or they decide to make a year of a Lindsey Pipkins. But moving on back to Marwin Evans he's a guy where he still kind of struggles on defense at times with his role but he's another good special teams guy I think he led the team in tackles last year on special teams and he's been a guy who's been very strong on that side of the ball. And you can't forget how important special teams actually can be over the course of a season. And the specialists, no surprises, Mason Crosby, J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley. Uh, Bradley and Schreiner have done a good battle at long snapper. There hasn't been too many massive mistakes during the season. There was one rough snap on in that Pittsburgh game. I didn't get a chance to look at who it was. I haven't had to watch the game back too much in since the game, since the game uh, broadcast and was played. But I think if neither one of them makes a massive mistake, I think it's Bradley's to lose. I think he's he was a guy who didn't have a bad snap his entire college career, and I think he his athletic ability helps him a lot as a former tight end, and he can finally remove Brett Good from Brian Gutekunst's speed dial. Hopefully we won't need to see number 61 be coming back to Green Bay anytime soon. So that's your 53, man. Obviously Aaron Jones suspended when he comes back. We'll see who gets cut. It could be Aaron Ripkowski. And then I have your practice squad. I have Tim Boyle, Devontae Mays, D'Angelo Yancey, Robert Tanyan. A couple offensive linemen and Alex Light and Adam Pankey. Pankey's looked pretty strong. He's a second-year guy. Light hasn't looked too out of place as the third-string left tackle and shows enough promise to be kept around for a year. James Looney, Chris Odom, Greer Martini, and I have Herb Waters as the final practice squad guy at corner. A guy who had good coverage on the simultaneous play with James Washington against Pittsburgh, but he's a guy where, again, numbers game, hasn't shown quite enough polish to make the active roster, but keep an eye on him over the course of this year and maybe into next year as well. So that's your, that's the 53-man roster I have so far through two weeks of play. Guys, let me know uh, in the comments, both for this podcast and wherever podcasts are found on Twitter as well. You can find me at Mike Wendland. That's M-I-K-E-W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, let me know where I'm wrong, where I'm right, how stupid I am, how smart I am. I don't care too much. I will I'll do my best to respond to everyone I can. Let, us, let me know, again, two weeks out from the regular season. We got two more games left. We'll see who can make the team who cost themselves a roster spot over the course of this season. So again, yeah, check me out on Twitter. Check me out on PackersTalk.com as I broke down this roster there as well to publish on Saturday. And check me out on Dairyland Express where we cover all things Wisconsin sports, Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Badgers, and so on and so forth. Again, also check out Packaday Podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever good podcasts are found, we will be there every day, 20 minutes a day, 360 65 days a year. All the f- all the analysis, news, and banter between friends and fans of the Green and Gold. So until next time, we'll see you later on the Pack Day Podcast. And of course, go Pack Go. Rogers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rogers scrambles left. Winds up rainbow. He's got time in the 10 to the yes! To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Oh my goodness. An NFC North Division Championship dagger of 47 yards. Yes. 
Hasselbeck, maybe changing the play of the line. Look left and right. Takes the snap. Short drop. Quick throw. Left side. Yes! Scrambles to his left under pressure, rolling right, escapes, right side looking, rainbows high and deep into the end zone, and it is caught, for a touchdown, a leaping touchdown, catch is made, and the Packers have won! Unbelievable. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.